Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Week 17 Review Show presented by Prize Picks. I'm Eric Lindquist. I'm very excited to be here with you on this Monday morning talking a little bit of the NFL streets. And the main reason I'm so excited is because the guy alongside me here, Alex Baker, awesome the number one player in the world, had his very first Millie Maker win yesterday. Congratulations, Alex. How are you feeling today, my guy? <laughs> Thanks, man. Feeling good. Uh, I was like, uh, at the start of the year, I'm like, I've done a lot of what I want to do in DFS, but the one thing I haven't done is win a million, million dollar first prize. So like now that I got that out of the way, it's like, okay, now I can just chill. <laughs> so what's next? Oh, I was going to say, what's next now? Like, how do you, how do you set the bar even higher? What's, what's next on the agenda? I don't know, man. I might have to wait until I sober up a little bit to figure that out. <laughs> so you had a little bit of fun last night. I was going to say, so you hit the Millie. Uh, talk us through your evening last night as you're kind of processing it. Yeah, in school. I mean, uh, I told my wife she was out with a friend and I was like, I think this might be a big night. Like, maybe we should go out. The problem was, we had already ordered delivery of pizza. So we ended up just staying home and eating pizza, had a bottle of champagne. So it was pretty fun. That sounds like a good night, Alex. Well, I'm excited to be going through this lineup. I mean, I've had Adam Scherer on here after 100K days. I've never been over here analyzing a million dollar day here on a Monday. Uh, everybody hit that like for Alex because, uh, again, absolute smash. So, so happy for you. He's got the name on the door. So like legitimately, this is this is excellent for everybody involved. Hit that subscribe button as well. If you're just stopping by, we're going to dig into it right off the bat because I don't think we can waste any more time. I just love this lineup and, and kind of the adjustments for things. We're going to go through all of it. But uh, right off the bat, this is the four point five million dollar main event millionaire maker. One million to first. So obviously very, very top heavy. Uh, very nice to be finishing first in such a tournament. And you had 25 entries in this one. So I went through some of your exposures here this morning. We had Sony Michelle, 92%, 80% David Montgomery, 64% Braxton Berrios. Those are three of the chalkier plays. And you took very, very overweight approaches in this tournament. Again, we are looking at 2,267 total entries. This is a smaller field tournament compared to the 170,000 entries you're going to be seeing in a regular Millie Maker. How does that change your approach for lineup building? So, um, I mean, this one was like one of their biggest tournaments of the year. And like, I wasn't able to max enter it because that would have been like, okay, so it's like 75 times $2,222. Like, I don't even want to know how much it is. So <laughs> I did the math if you want to know. Yeah, well, hit us with that. Yeah, so I mean, I plugged in. Uh, Ryan said that it was like 15 entries yesterday, so it's just a little, a little over 200k. 200k, okay. Yeah, that, yeah, that's too rich for my blood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, um, so, since I'm putting in more than I do in an average NFL weekend, I wanted to like kind of spread it out among more stacks. So I limited myself to five of each quarterback at most. So. I, I was getting a ton of Mac Jones. I was like, this doesn't feel right. So I limited him to like three. <laughs> and I was like more worried about the stacks than the individual players. So like Sony Michelle, I uh, I didn't know I had 90%, but I did like him because uh, it was like the Rams had a rough day and he still got almost 20 points. So the, that was uh, close to a lock. It just didn't come through yesterday. Yeah. And here's the thing. Obviously, you had the one lineup 
that ended up taking it down that didn't have him. And we'll get to that exact pivot here. But um, I just did the math here. Uh, once again, I think I had put in the wrong number before, but 55,000 was the total number. So uh, for the 25 entries, well, pretty yeah, good I mean, ROI, I would say, Alex. Pretty good ROI. Yeah, I, I wasn't one of those max entry guys, so uh, it was nice that some of our uh, some of us uh, non max guys were able to take it down. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere, but we're gonna <laughs> keep it going. Uh, but I absolutely love this lineup, and of course, everybody talked yesterday about the explosion, uh, the explosion spot that was Jamar Chase in that early window of games. And you're sitting there with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Rashad Penny. Was that a stack that you had already landed on before Jamar Chase went on? And what kind of adjustments, if any, did you make to regard a a 50-point burger that you got out of Chase in the early window? Yeah, essentially, when I didn't have any lineups with Chase, I was like, okay, I'm dead. Like, time to move on. (laughs) Afternoon slate. I was watching Afternoon Live before lock, trying to get an extra edge, so... Uh, I think, um, I mean, I, I like Seattle a lot. Like, uh, everyone was off them, like, but they, like, because they've been doing horrible in the, the past few months. But I kind of had looked at that data. It's, it was weird because the play volume was so low. Like, Seattle would run, like, 50 offensive snaps on some days. And that's not, like, a result of, a team being bad it's just like really fluky uh and also getting a lot of three and outs but then they were matched up against the lions one of the the best teams in football and i'm like this is going to be a shootout Nah, just kidding but uh, <laughs> uh i think uh on our top stacks i actually did a lineup building video for for DraftKings, and my contrarian quarterback was russell wilson and the reason why, like, the ownership was super low, 2.6%, we hadn't projected, and 4% chance of being in the top stack. And I also like the skill players. So you had uh, Lockett and Metcalf, either of which are liable to have a huge week. Gerald Effort, Everett, like, no tight end really stood out a ton yesterday. So that was a good option. And Rashad Penny kind of leading the, the charge for the running backs in Seattle. And uh, I was like, they got a 26 point total and no one's on that's perfect yeah i think that that obviously was a great idea 1.7 percent ownership on russell wilson here in this spot uh that ended up being gigantic when you can pair him up with metcalf and lockett becomes pretty easy to hit a lot of pieces of the lineup if it all goes off you kind of are you're taking all of the upside with you Tyler Lockett didn't get there, but the one play that is just so fascinating that I want to get your take on, and I I think this speaks more to the small field nature of it rather than maybe a large field nature, your decision to play Rashad Penny along with the rest of that stack. So you had the double along with Rashad Penny as the running back, so in in essence, a triple here for Seattle with the run back of Amon Ross St. Brown, which at 3.6%, he's just been smashing week in, week out. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Uh, a fantastic run back option there. What was your decision making to play Penny with uh, all the other players in that lineup? Yeah, I mean, I do sacks with three skill players a lot with quarterback uh, because, like, um, what you find in some NFL games is one team just dominates the time of possession and the number of plays. And, uh, and that happened yesterday. The Lions had a ton of turnovers and whatnot. 
Uh, still enough to get Amon Ross, St. Brown there. He got a couple touchdowns, so that was pretty lucky. But uh, the, the general idea is they throw a few touchdowns and then they get a lot of rushing attempts after that. So uh, the running back plus stack is something that I'm looking at a decent amount. Yeah, what's so fascinating about this lineup and why it's so good, even in a small field tournament, every single player besides David Montgomery is sub 10%. You had every piece of, you had all the upside. If somebody's scoring a touchdown from Seattle, unless it's Gerald Everett, uh, you've pretty much got it covered. So you did. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett getting three and one respectively there, getting another two from Rashad Penny, five touchdowns along with your quarterback getting most of those. Fantastic lineup, really, really well put together. Saints defense, kind of the number that you landed on. Was there any kind of a decision you made? Because I definitely see a ton of different defenses in your exposures. You've got Bears, Titans, Giants, Washington football team, the Saints. The There were two shares that you added the Saints. Was that just simply where it was a number you landed on and you liked the spot for them? Oh, to be honest, I mean, I'm not really putting a ton of thought into the defenses. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kind of making my lineups, uh, fancy cruncher, and then whatever I get. Uh, defense, like obviously I don't want – I want to have a little bit more of the, the good defenses and the, the Saints were they're the second most popular defense in our ownership projections and it's also the second highest chance of being the optimal lineup. So one of the top defenses and that made sense because my lineup was pretty contrary and, and I didn't really need to get off the board. Yeah, speaking also to the contrarian nature of it. Jared Patterson, uh, yeah, Jared Patterson. I had to remember his name there for a second because that's that's just kind of how it goes. With Antonio Gibson, uh, with him sidelined here in this spot, there were definitely some touches to be had there against a Philadelphia defense that's been porous from time to time. Uh, falling into Patterson definitely was a huge difference maker. Gave you a little bit cheaper price point to be able to afford uh, the double stack there to be able to get all of the upside from that Seattle team. Uh, getting Patterson into a lineup here, I believe you had a, a number of shares of him in this tournament. Uh, what did you really like about that play coming into Sunday? I think it was uh, the ownership, really. Like, uh, with no Antonio Gibson, I thought it was going to be a mix of Patterson and um, Jonathan Williams. I think Patterson ended up playing a lot more than I was expecting uh, because he, he got a few receptions, and that was not something I was really – thinking was in his uh, bag of tricks, but uh, that was just kind of luck you need to get to, to win one of these. So uh, I thought he was uh, kind of off the board, a guy that no one really knows who he is because he hasn't really started a game before and it, it worked out because uh, I got lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, everybody needs a little bit of luck from time to time, but I will say he still was a fantastic play in the boom bus tool, which is pretty clear to see 4.3% projected ownership in like a larger field milli. 6.8% optimal percentage, though. It's a pretty large optimal percentage. You have fewer lineups to beat here in this spot. You're getting paid off. Positive leverage to be had at the running back spot, which, you know, if somebody ends up getting the full backfield, you don't necessarily know what that situation is going to look like. And embracing that unknown in a smaller field tournament, I mean, that was such a difference maker, I think, for your lineup, just to be able to uh, afford some of the bigger pieces that you needed to get to. Obviously, the Tyler Higby punt, 12.9 was more than serviceable to give you extra salary there. I mean, everything about this lineup just is, is fantastic. And for everybody that was out there saying, oh, well, I, have Jamar, I don't have Jamar Chase. I need to quit or not build lineups or not care about whatever. You definitely put a lot of thought into this one and, and it ended up coming to fruition. So 
congratulations here to Alex Baker. Anything else you would like to add before we kind of transfer over to the slant? Thanks, man. Yeah, I guess the only thing I'd say is like, it's not like I did something different last week. I did the same process I've been using all season long and it hadn't really paid off in the main slates like most of the year. So it's just like, you got to kind of use some, uh, use some general like uh, intuition to know, like, is the strategy you're using good and have you been getting unlucky or do you want to mix things up? And I think with Russell Wilson, like most people probably gave up at this point, but uh, you know, it's where you got to kind of use your, your brain instead of, relying too much on what's happened this season. Yeah. I, uh, I told Jordan Klein, this would be the week that he would go nuts. Cause it was the first week I didn't play him. Oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> happened. I, I said it, it, I knew it was going to happen there at that point. And this is probably the week at the lowest ownership. You're buying in as low as you possibly can. Again, sub 2% in this tournament, uh, just a fantastic, fantastic play. No doubt about it against a, a team that you definitely would expect to, you can have some opportunities to score. But again, the total cumulative ownership here, 65.7%. That is the lowest out of all of your 25 lineups. And it is the one that gets to the top. So, hey, contrarian, make sure you play your plays. Make sure you find ways to get different, no matter the field size here. Um, everything about it, just excellent. Uh, just, so uh, go ahead. One, one point on that is that, the ownership of contrarian players in these smaller field tournaments is lower. Like the ownership on the good plays yep. is higher. So I'm sure if this was in a different tournament, like the ownership some wouldn't have been like that insanely low. Right. Because you know, it's, it's less <laughs> of a, you know, people are playing a lot more of the chalk. The chalk is more condensed in a smaller field. Correct. It's just yeah. a lot higher number. Yeah. Like most people in these, uh, these, uh, above a hundred dollar tournaments are using projections to make their lineup. So they're pretty predictable. Um, and like, obviously we have good projections, so we know kind of, uh, what the possible pivots are and, uh, what everyone's going to be doing most likely. So that helps a lot. Well, I'm, I'm ecstatic to be here kind of reviewing this, going through this. And again, we're going to talk through the slant. I mean, there's only 10 K up top there. You won a hundred times that. That's pretty fun to think about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I this is I've been trying to win a million dollars for the last six years, basically seven years at this point, and I, I guess uh, finally paid off. Perseverance, baby. That's <laughs> that's good stuff. Well, congratulations there to Alex Baker. Hit that like button for him once again. Uh, we're gonna make our way over to the slam, but as we do, I just want to talk quickly about some of the awesome oak promos that we have going and they're fantastic. We have the happy 22 going for 20% off a year of awesome oak plus platinum. Uh, it's pretty simple to get in and use that offer. We also have the deal going where it's seven 99 in order to get the entire year of awesome oak plus. And I know that that seems like a hefty number, but when you factor in the projections that Alex Baker, Steve buzzard, Eddie lie, these guys are constantly tweaking, helping them win the biggest tournaments in the industry definitely look into this offer and, and really think about what it can provide for you in every sport, not just NFL, but we have NBA. God forbid we don't have MLB starting up here in March. I won't know what to do with myself, but uh, MLB will definitely be as soon as it's available. We will be firing it up. We have NHL going strong. MMA PGA gets back this week, 20% off of that awesome platinum yearly package, seven ninety nine using promo code happy 22 utilize that it's good until January 7th, but, you want to get, save yourself some time, hop on in. I'm telling you, 
it's going to pay for itself with the lineup builder, the boom bust tool, everything that awesome uh, tools made by Alex Baker, Millie winner, Millie maker winner. That's the first time I've been able to say that Millie maker winner, Alex Baker over there. Uh, and then we have the $20 for 22 days of Osmo Platinum. Dominate all of the DFS leaderboards with all the tools and data that we have over here at Osmo for you. So use promo code 2022. That is another phenomenal promo. So stop guessing, start winning, and join us here at Osmo today. All right, let's jump on over here to the slant. I think that because, uh, you know, it, it depends. Sometimes the Millie Maker comes in really clean, uh, really clean. It has at least, we've been running good there the last couple of weeks and that $20, but it didn't populate entirely correctly here. So we're going to be looking at this slant here today. So if you want to pull that up here, Jordan Klein, because I cannot get it to pull up here on my side. Uh, there it is. I found it. Let's jump on over and talk some of the more popular plays here on the slate. I know you had touched on Sony Michelle. I don't really know what else needs to be added to that. I believe even yesterday, and this might be the talking point, because I caught a little bit of your show on the front end, which I really recommend the deeper dive. Uh, I don't know why you guys wouldn't be watching that every single day. You get Alex Baker, you get Ben Rossi, you get Lofi, three sharp, sharp dudes, and obviously the number one player in the world here talking about their lineups, talking about their process. But you had said that you preferred Sony Michelle over jamming in Cooper Cup in cash. And I just want you to talk about that mindset. Yeah, I mean, it was all about the price, really. Like, Cooper Cup's probably the, the best fantasy player this year. Uh, so he's phenomenal. But whenever you have a guy that's 9,500, that kind of makes the expectation that they're going to be by far the best. And in football, it's so random. Like, on a week-to-week -week basis, like, you can't really guarantee more than 25 points or something on average. So... Uh, Sonny Michel, on the other hand, I think he, uh, he was underpriced for his role because he was basically going to get 100% of the snaps at running back, where his average this season is probably like half of them, uh, with Daryl Henderson being the lead back most of the year. So I think that um, if you're like he was getting a huge bump in, in workload, probably should have been closer to 8K. He was just underpriced. All right. Well, Sony Michelle, I, I definitely think, you know, 18.9. He wasn't probably the reason most people won or lost uh, 5,800 there. He was at a little bit cheaper price point than David Montgomery. I know David Montgomery was the guy that landed in your winning lineup. 21.1 fantasy points out of him. He's been seeing a lot more reception volume here of late. He was in a great spot against the Giants. I think a lot of boxes were checked with that play as well, no? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, Montgomery had been getting a lot more passing uh work in the recent weeks and that coincided with the switch from Justin Fields uh, to Dalton and Foles so there was a real trend to pick up on Montgomery another reason to think that he was just really underpriced now the guy that I'm excited to ask you about <laughs> because you were ahead of the curve last week you were ahead of the curve on Braxton Berrios because he was jumping and I mean jumping in the projections and I know you had talked about him last week last week on the show he was 5%. He ends up getting a, a, a kickoff return touchdown. He ends up kind of getting there in some different ways. We've seen rushing touchdowns from him two weeks ago. We saw the re kick return touchdown a week ago. And now this week, everything came together all at once to put up a massive score in a in kind of a must-have score at his current ownership there. 29.8% ownership last week. Again, you were ahead of the curve on him. So I think you were more than allowed to jam in the chalk here in this spot. What was your thinking about Braxton Berrios in tournaments yesterday? Yeah, I mean, 
I think uh, some people were scared off because of the fluky nature of his scores in the past few weeks. But you have to remember, like, two weeks ago, he didn't even start. Crowder right. played in that game. And he still put up, like, 20 fantasy points or something crazy. So then, like, there was a real reason to believe he would be on the field a lot more, like, this week. And, and also last week. But last week was a little bit of a disappointing game. But uh, he's been targeted about 20% of the time he's been on the field. So... Once when the guys I like to target that are cheap are guys that have been really successful when they've been on the field that haven't been on the field a lot, as opposed to guys that have been on the field a lot, but maybe someone's out or something. And then like, there's not as much room for improvement. And now the guy I'm probably least excited to talk about Antonio Brown. <laughs> uh, why didn't you factor in the shirt taking off and throwing it mid game or uh, in your model? Why was it not showing up? I know. Yeah. Like, uh, I should have expected he would get cut <laughs> mid game. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah. like, dude, I, I still think we got to hear what, what happened there because it seems like no one really knows. Yeah. This is going to be the new JFK. Like what, what happened? What was the, <laughs> what was the timeline here? We will have a movie like an American sniper movie or something like that. That's going to retrace <laughs> All of the steps that led to these things that we know nothing about. So uh, Antonio Brown, I hope he's all right. But man, he doesn't look all right. That was that was something to witness here. Now Chase Edmonds. He ended up in this field, 22.5% owned. And I know we got a little bit of news an hour before lock. Ed Werner had tweeted out that there was a possibility that James Conner was probably going to be inactive. I didn't really know what to think about it because James Conner had practiced on Friday. We got confirmation that he was inactive there. This is a sharper field than a lot of people had running back spots. Now with Sony, Michelle, David Montgomery in the early window, guys that you had played a lot of, I don't think there was a lot of availability to go to chase Edmonds and thank God you didn't play chase Edmonds <laughs> instead of Rashad Penny in that other lineup. But I ended up falling for all of the chase Edmonds. I turned all of my penny into him. I was on the afternoon live before lock show talking through that a little bit where chase Edmonds was just popping in projections. There was no way around it. He was going to get a lot of the backfield and then they just, Worked in guys I had never heard of before. It was not enjoyable. But Chase Edmonds, you were below the field, which worked out phenomenally well here in this spot. What did you think about the play, and did you consider him until he was inactive? Yeah, I think Chase Edmonds was a killer play. Like uh, the last report I'd seen going into lock was that Connor was they're optimistic he, he could play, but then he didn't. So I wasn't really prepared for Edmonds getting that workload. Um, I did swap from Eli Mitchell to Edmonds because I thought Eli Mitchell, like, first of all, like, I don't love late swapping a ton because it messes up, like, my correlations with, mm -hmm. like, Rashad Penny could have been another swap, but I had a lot of Seattle stacks. And I went through, uh, I actually went through the lineups that had Jamar Chase and I, like, swapped those manually. Mm -hmm. uh, so I swapped on the Edmonds. I, I was only able to do it in, like, a couple, but, um, I thought he was a good play. I just didn't want to like massively change all my lineups because I was worried that I could have unintended consequences. Yeah. I found that out yesterday on a, that was the first afternoon live before lock show. And I was like, Oh, I can't manually do anything in this scenario because otherwise it's going to be dead air for 10 minutes. And <laughs> so I started doing, figuring out exactly who my, my swaps would be where I didn't screw up some of the correlation and, I think having it being a running back helped a little bit more where I'm not as concerned as another pass catcher on the other side. Um, as long as I didn't have, you know, a wide receiver from the Cowboys where there's still some correlation that could be had there, but 
more so than likely if you're playing a running back, I'm not always looking to get a bunch of pass catchers in there. I think you've talked about doing the same thing where a running back, if they go off, they're generally slowing the game down a little bit. Yeah, totally. I think uh, the running backs aren't as big for, for your uh, correlations for sure. So uh, it wasn't a bad move to swap from Mitchell to, to Edmonds and, and Penny and uh, DeAndre Swift is the guy I wish I swapped off of. Yeah. It seems like after knowing what happened in that game, like we were dead before the game started <laughs> uh, without knowing it. So uh, like Edmonds was an awesome play. It just didn't pan out this week. Well, I was thinking about that too, because uh, you had your run back St. Brown. I mean, I, I don't think you've ever been one to really run back a lot of running backs with like a lift, like double stack. Like that wouldn't probably be something you would do even with Swift, right? Who can be a pass catcher. I do it with Swift because of okay. his pass catching. Like uh, it's really the ratio of the money that's going towards receiving versus rushing. And Swift has been a lot better receiving the ball for fantasy. So I had, I had Swift as a run back and in, in a fair amount of lineups. Away. Okay. So Trey Lance, that's the next guy here on the board quarterback uh the quarterback spot was fascinating again joe burrow apparently just throws for 450 plus yards every single game now so maybe we need to factor that in i i just didn't play any again it's really unenjoyable but dak prescott another guy who was pretty popular here in that game environment but trey lance far 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 superiorly the most owned quarterback there on the slate in the slant especially 21.6 percent you were underweight i think that's about almost the perfect exposure on Trey Lance there, 12.7%. Um, what did you kind of think about with the quarterback position yesterday? Well, the quarterback, like Trey Lance, was obviously the best value because the matchup was killer for, for San Francisco. Um, and he also runs the ball a lot. So and going into the season, I thought he was a pretty good season-long pick that <laughs> didn't work out at all. But um, I think uh, the, the tricky part is, like, you're getting the skill position players too if you if you want to stack it up and Debo Samuel was like really expensive Kittle was quite expensive so uh that kind of negated the value of Trey Lance to a decent extent I would agree 20 he got 20 fantasy points yay but like (laughs) that wasn't going to probably get it done for you in a lot of those spots I know Josh Allen I believe was your highest stone quarterback in this tournament? Uh, yes, he was sitting at 10%. I think that that's a little bit low in that spot. But again, a 14 gamer was going to spread it out a little bit more. We saw condensed chalk there at the running back position. We saw a little bit more spread out aside from Trey Lance, who no question, 4,800 underpriced. But I definitely like the way that you took uh, that approach in this tournament uh, specifically. Cooper Cup, he's a fantastic play every single week if you can afford him. I think you were exactly at the field. I think that that's more than appropriate here. Daryl Williams against Cincinnati. Interesting. Uh, did you end up playing him as a run back at all in that spot, considering, you know, Jamar Chase, th- that trio seemed to show up in a lot of winning lineups around the industry yesterday. I wish I did. I mean, that, that was the winning <laughs> construction. But yep. my, my general feeling about that game was, like, obviously it was, like, the game that had the most potential to be a shootout. Um but it was hard because everyone in the game, aside from Daryl Williams, was like like pretty expensive. So, uh, like I think Daryl Williams probably was owned in a, a huge amount of those, um, 
uh, Joe Burrow lineups. Uh, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but that was like the obvious run back because if you're taking Chase and maybe uh, another player from the Bengals, you're probably not going to have the money to go to Hill or Kelsey. Or if you do, the rest of your lineup is going to be really value-based on a slate that doesn't have great value. So I I thought Daryl Williams was a good play, but like sometimes that that high ownership, like with a certain combination of players kind of negates any advantage from stacking. Agreed. I thought that Mahomes was a really tough play to get to on that slate yesterday because you're forced into playing a Pringle or a Robinson. And tell me the last time that that showed up in a winning lineup. It just doesn't. And he's already a chalk quarterback and it's all like check, check, check. It's so difficult to get the run back in when you know that it's going to be Boyd, it's going to be Higgins or it's going to be Chase. And more than likely it's going to be Higgins or Chase. So legitimately it's so tough for me to to find paths to stack up Kansas city, unless you have a ton of value. I didn't think we had a ton of value to really uh, uh, parse away from uh, outside of Braxton Berrios. And you know, that that's just a, a piece of chalk that I wish I had ate a little bit more. Uh, I played him in cash. Obviously I got just a little bit short of the field at the 30% number. And, you know, in hindsight, I think there were mistakes that were made. That might be one of them where if I want to get to some of these higher upside quarterbacks more, you got to be able to be willing to find the only $3,700 player that I felt remotely good about Antoine Wesley kind of luck boxed a little bit, but um, looking at that, it just kind of wasn't a, wasn't a talking point. What is a talking point is the tight end position. And I think we can kind of like jump into some of the individual exposures for people uh, right after this point, but Tyler Higby obviously was in your Millie maker winner and we've seen tight end be a massive position here lately, specifically because Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, they found ways to go completely nuclear on some previous slates here. But looking at some of your lineups, none of those, none of those top-end tight ends were going nuts uh, from the looks of it going through some of your exposures. What did you think about the tight end position yesterday? Because it looks like Rob Gronkowski at 14.7% out of 150 lineups was your highest-owned tight end. Yeah, I think uh, I, I my general sense of yesterday's slate was – it was a tough slate for tight ends. And I didn't mean like that there weren't any good plays. It was more that from a points per dollar standpoint, like everyone was priced pretty appropriately. So then you see like Steven Anderson picking up 14% <laughs> ownership. He was like the, mm-hmm. the most popular tight end on the slate. Like uh, I thought he was a good play, like, uh, but it wasn't certain like how much playing time he would get. I'll have to take a look and see because I, I don't even know what ended up happening because it was like he was he's only six three and like undersized tight ends they tend to uh get phased out of the game because they're not as good at blocking. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly what happened there, but um I think uh, my general feeling is if there aren't any good tight ends, then putting one as part of your stack is a good idea. But obviously, uh, that wasn't what I did to win. So it's hard to count <laughs> that right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I jammed a ton because at 2,500, I thought there was a chance that he'd play a lot of snaps. 78% ended up being the number of offensive snaps he played. I think okay. that's a decent allotment. I don't know how many routes he ran on those. Uh, usually, it takes a day for me to kind of go through some of that. But we got one reception for eight yards. I can tell you right away, I wasn't excited about that. That was a bad yeah. situation. So uh, definitely kind of the other positions 
were things that can maybe save you from that situation. But because of the mid-range going pretty nuts, with Sony Michelle, David Montgomery, none of nobody really busted in that mid-range outside of Antonio Brown, of course. He was too busy, you know, uh, playing recess. So I, I'm looking at that spot. You know, Steven Anderson, definitely another massive, massive mistake by me on this slate. I just feel like this was one of the worst slates I've had, period, in terms of decision-making. Wasn't like the apocalypse, but like, I, I definitely am going through a lot of these plays and there was definitely so much leverage to be had by being higher on the good plays. I love your Jacoby Myers play. I love the ability that you had for DJ Moore, even though that didn't come to fruition and we keep trying to make DJ Moore and Sam Darnold a thing again. I love that play taking a stand considering his sub 10% ownership. So many guys like this that um, I just feel like I missed out on because I was targeting just kind of the, the wrong builds and really risky builds. So you know, Steven Anderson is very volatile, volatile chalk, um, even if he is cheap and you're giving up a lineup spot. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I, I think it was a product of the slate just not having very easy value pieces. So if you didn't go with Trey Lance at quarterback, you had to make some really tough choices and get some guys that weren't uh, very good in your lineups. Like I had a bunch of Deontay Harris at 3K. I was going to have Nikhil Harry uh mm. but then like he was he got scratched yeah yeah like after playing the whole game the he played 96 percent so. of snaps or something i feel uh, like i i uh like it's funny because christian wilkerson is the guy that replaced him and he like absolutely like destroyed the slate except no one knew who he was so <laughs> i was gonna say like, if there was anybody who was gonna know who he was it was gonna be you and you know because i know mac jones is a guy that you've definitely been higher on a lot more I think public sentiment around him because of one game has just been lower than it should be. And that game, I don't know if anybody noticed, it was windy. <laughs> yeah, the two passing attempts game, that was yeah. insane. Uh, but yeah, like the thing, like one of the biggest takeaways from the season, from my perspective, was when Mike White put up 400 yards and like four touchdowns as like the Jets, like third string QB. Yep. It's like, dude like anyone can get there like yeah it doesn't matter if you're mac jones or you know patrick mahomes yeah there was that davis mills slate where he was like 0.2 percent and he just came out of the gate and was smashing uh he put up a decent enough score i don't think it was winning anything but you know there are just so many opportunities you have by not following the straight and narrow not following you know every single piece of chalk into the abyss and you pick and choose your spots again david montgomery sony michelle you played two of the chalkiest running backs in absolute bulk, but you can do that so long as you are getting correlations right in your lineup, so long as you're building good lineups, looking at the boom bust tool, looking at the top stacks tool, and finding ways to package it all together nicely and put a bow on it. Yeah, I think that uh, it's also easier to make up for like bad plays if they're part of your stack because yeah. like that correlation, like you take like three like bad plays and then because of the correlation, like you don't have to get there that much for it to work out as opposed to a running back where if you have one bad play at running back, it pretty much kills your lineup where, yeah. I mean, if your stack doesn't go off, it doesn't go off, but at least that's like three players that you, you have locked down when it does. Yeah. And Metcalf and Rashad Penny brought Tyler Lockett along with them yesterday and your Millie, Millie winner, like something like that is, is so imperative because Sure, you got Jamar Chase right. Congratulations. What else you got? Because that's two pieces of your lineup in Burrow and him. 
You didn't necessarily get anything right with a run back. It was an individual play. Like it was an individual play. And for you, you were able to get four lineup spots, basically, in essence, hammered down and lock it wasn't killing you at 12. So it wasn't, uh, wasn't going to be something. So just something to consider uh, field size, understanding your construction that way. Um, you know, something that you've done a lot. I know doing the doubles running, you know, triples there in some spots. It's, it's so fascinating because there are so many different ways. So long as you have reasonings that are database behind it. And I think the top stacks will positive leverage for Russell Wilson as well. So love the plays. Um, we'll go through all the individual exposures to round out. We will cover uh, the worst uh, the worst lineup from the winner, because again, always fun to poke, poke holes in somebody who just won 10 K. And then we will move on with our days here, everybody But smash that like button. So much programming coming up later in the day. I want to just throw it out here on the front end so that we don't have to worry about it on the back end. We've got an awesome betting show. That's going to be a ton of Ben starting up at 1 PM. Eastern time, 3 PM. Eastern time. We've got a live show with McCarthy and Savoka Four fifteen PM. Eastern time. We've got the deeper dive live before lock Aton LaMarca, 445. We're going to have Lafayette and Adam doing the NBA deeper dive. 603. That's going to be the NBA live before lock with Josh and Greg. And then 715 p.m. Eastern time, myself, Neil, and Matt Savoka covering everything you need to know about Monday night. So looking forward to that. Uh, definitely be smashing that like button here as we're going. But let's talk some prize picks because prize picks is the reason that we're here, able to gloat a little bit about the boss man taking down a million dollars. And prize picks is daily props combined with every single sport. You can play every single cross sport. We have tennis that I'm looking at, soccer, NHL, NBA, NHL. I mean, it's ridiculous. And that's in addition to the NFL you know and love. You go and play two, three, four, or five players into your quote-unquote lineup, into your card, whatever you want to call it. You simply can use all of your knowledge, all of the projections that we have from Odd Chopper. We have in NBA, we've got the prize picks prop tool it is so cool to be able to go and use projections from alex baker from all the guys behind the scenes be able to put those directly into play at prize picks plus you get one free month now when you sign up over at prize picks and a hundred dollars deposit match bonus up to one hundred dollars you'll get back into your account it doesn't get any better than that uh alex i'm not going to put you on the spot here but you know what i I got i got you got one look at this i love it it's ben roethlisberger's perhaps last day i'm yeah. excited to be watching this game give me your favorite prize picks for tonight <laughs> the, that was where i was going with it was uh <laughs> the ben roethlisberger over like it, it's like um i don't know if this is supposed to be the week we're playing the retirement narrative or it's supposed <laughs> to be next week but how about why not both right but, oh my gosh like maybe uh, uh they're gonna need to pass a lot like honestly we have the projection at 232, so it's not that, – that's pretty much 50-50 uh, based on that projection. So it, it, it depends how much you're valuing that that narrative there. But um, let's see. Deontay Johnson, 68.5. We have him at 67. So in general, that would be a good under. Uh, but it depends, like, if you're playing ben, Big Ben's uh, – Last day, maybe you do some parlays uh, with a few of these because uh, I think the rule is you need to have players from like two different teams. Correct. Is that how it works? Yep. So correct. you can they can all be in the same game. Yes, they can. Okay. So yeah, you could build up something nice there. 
Yeah, we could build up some overs together if we're going to be thinking Ben Roethlisberger is going to chuck it around the yard for good for like old time's sake. What's frustrating is I know I think you and I have been trying to make Ben Roethlisberger a thing this year. I don't know if he's a thing this year. I'm just kind of realizing this in week 18 or week 17 still for him. Uh, always nice that if he were to actually go off tonight that I'll get him at a nice low 55% owned around the industry. Um, kind of frustrating to think about, but absolutely check out prize picks. This is just so much fun. I'll cross-reference here uh, from spot to spot looking at, you know, if you think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be chucking it around, I think 21 pass completions even might be a spot. Again, we're talking pretty close 50-50s, but you can only play one from the individual player. I'm probably taking the over on 220 and a half. Also touchdowns, those are going to be stayaways this week. Normally, I like to go to the touchdown department. You'll find like a minus 150 or a minus 175 favorite there. Nick Chubb uh, around the industry, it looks like his anytime scoring prop uh, is a lot lower than what you would want to be uh, isolating there. Minus 115 for him. Uh, Najee Harris, minus 105 we're looking at. So I'm probably staying away from both of those guys uh, for tonight. That's a pretty even bet. But check out prize picks. I'm telling you right now, it's so much fun. I've had more people ask questions about prize picks than you could possibly believe. And it's because it's such a fun, clean, easy site to navigate. Plus, so many great offers. So check out the App Store, Google Play, or head to prizefix.com and start trying it out yourself. Get that free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Use those projections and the $100 first match deposit bonus using promo code Osmo. Definitely be checking that out. So much fun. They have an interception prop of 0.5 for Roethlisberger. Like that feels like one where like any player that's starting in the NFL is probably going to average more than the 50% chance of interception. So that one's kind of interesting, but I guess his interception rate hasn't been as high as I thought this year. Because we just kind of inherently think that he's bad. I'm looking, uh, his under is minus 135 at some spots. Really? So, yeah. yeah. Isn't uh, that crazy? Because they they throw the ball so much, you would just kind of expect that that would be a problem. Yeah, I guess he's only had a 1.6% interception percent interception rate the last three years, so... That's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I I, uh, I I like the prize. So uh, there was another site that you and I would talk about where uh, interceptions, you could be playing the over a 0.5 and just stack like nine of them in a lineup for the most part. There was a uh, Matt Ryan was just throwing picks left and right. Jameis Winston once upon a time. Really fun to be able to parlay some of those together. But um, for this one, might be. Might be that 220 and a half might be the best Ben Roethlisberger one, but such an interesting thing. Again, that's part of the fun is being able to find out, well, which one is the best on the board? I do that a lot in the NBA where there might be a player that there's late news and you have points, rebounds, assists, and which one would be the best underneath the new circumstances. So uh, being able to cross-reference multiple sports, have that ability. Plus, PJ will be back here this week. So looking forward to that. Kind of nice to have it be the golf course I just played on my honeymoon too. Uh, that the PGA is returning to going over to Kapalua excited to be talking about that all with you here this week. So golf is back. Uh, check out this promo, get that free month of awesome L plus platinum and best of luck to all of us here. All right, let's go through some individual exposures. We've talked about Michelle Montgomery Barrios, all of those popular guys here. Again, I think your lineups really made a lot of sense for the current construction. You were at the field on guys like cup and Jonathan Taylor, like directly exactly at the field on those spend ups. 
We had Ronald Jones, somebody that you were underneath the field on. I think everything you made choices for, there's definitely pretty clear logic behind. I mean, Michael Pittman, you were double the field on and you were at the field on Jonathan Taylor. Everything seems to make sense. Is there anything that you really take away looking at your exposures after the fact you're in the slant that you wish you had changed or something that you're really happy you did? Yeah, I think with those high-priced stud players like Cup and, and Taylor, like you can't, they can't win you a tournament. They can only, but you can definitely lose it if you don't have them, if yeah. they have a big week. So uh, those are the guys that I try to like stay around the field on in general, because like they're usually priced for their production. But uh, yeah, I think um, as far as my exposures, Deontay Harris, uh, that might've been a little bit of reach because I don't know if he played as much as I was expecting. Um but I felt like Ronald Jones is someone that I didn't really like a ton because uh, Keyshawn Vaughn was mixing in and he uh, he has like no pass catching floor. Really. Yeah, and the Bucks like pass a lot, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, I I wish I had gotten more Edmonds, uh, and then with Jamar Chase, I was a little bit under the field, but like any receiver could have that crazy breakout game it's uh it's not surprising that it was jamar chase but that's why it's good to like throw a bunch of darts at some of those high price guys yeah you learned to catch footballs in a week according to (laughs) it's just he's so good it's so fun to watch him in this entire Bengals offense um definitely a team that you know at least i was on higgins last week i was not on jamar chase this week this was this was tough it's interesting that the winner of this only had 4% chase too. So that's like the same thing that happened to me. Like I had 92% Michelle or whatever, <laughs> like the one that didn't have one and then he had 4% chase. And then the one that he had the chase, I guess he had six, uh, wait, 4% on six lineups with him, and it only takes one. So. Well, in my notes before the show, and I forgot to put this in there, you could have just simply swapped David Montgomery for Sony Michelle. Yeah, I know it's a $700 difference, but you could have swapped them and you still would have won. So at least there's that where it's like, if you had fallen into that construction, no matter what, it probably still would have worked out because those running backs just had such a tight range of what they ended up putting up. Nobody really separated themselves other than your boy, Rashad Penny. (laughs) You needed Rashad Penny. So again, you want to talk about a four-man stack and you just want to play the onslaught. There you go, everybody. It definitely happens. It happened last week with the Bengals. Why not them against, uh, why not Seattle up against the Lions? Uh, Your poor lowly Lions, my poor lonely (laughs) Vikings. It's just, oh, uh, football. Here we go. Rest of some of your exposures. Again, there's really nothing else that I really want to point to. Let's jump over to the Colts. Sony Michelle, Michael Pittman, two massive stands that he had taken there. David Montgomery, just at the field, 36%, just a tiny bit over there on uh, Antonio Brown, DJ Moore. Michael Carter, I know you've been somebody who's been higher on the Jets offense from time to time, and Michael Carter was definitely popping in the projections here. Ends up getting beat up a little bit there in that first quarter. Kind of a a run-bad situation. Put up 7.3, I think, all in that first quarter. He had 29.3%. Michael Carter, was that somebody you really considered uh, playing even more maybe than the 10.7% you got to? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought that he was one of the better value plays like running back, and there was a lot of reason to be optimistic with um, uh, Tevin Coleman out. So that was a good one. I'm also uh, glad that 
uh, Steve went over on Pittman, uh, really justifying <laughs> his username, the Colts. So yeah, I was gonna say, what a homer! But uh, Pitt, I love it. Pitt, Pittman had like some crazy games earlier this season, like where he won people's slates and everyone just kind of forgot. So I thought he he could have been that. He could have been the Jamar Chase last yeah. week or yesterday, but you never know who it's going to be. It would have been nice. Yeah, I liked Michael Pittman, I think, a lot up against the Raiders there. 2017 total and everybody just jams Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he, he wasn't as popular, actually, as what I was kind of expecting him to be, but Again, this whole 5-6K range uh, really kind of made sense for people to land on at running back. Uh, let's see, Dalton Schultz, uh, we had C.D. Lamb. I'd say the whole Cowboys side, that ended up being a very difficult thing where you know they were carrying a 29 total there. Arizona's defense has definitely not performed to the early expectation of what we had, uh, what they laid out at the beginning of the season here. Dalton Schultz, C.D. Lamb. That whole Dallas side doesn't seem like you really were getting to them in that game with a 52 and a half total. Was that just kind of a stay away because you knew that it was going to be popular with the field? Uh, Dallas, I honestly, like, I, uh, I didn't even really pay attention because like, uh, they didn't <laughs> like, like, obviously, like, I didn't see any of my lineups with them in it. So right. uh, I thought, I mean, there, that was a, I'm, who, who does that play again? I can't. Yeah, they played the Arizona. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Dallas and Arizona. And I'm just but, saying that, like, it seems as though, like, CD Lab is 13.4%. You weren't even close to that. I mean, it just was a game environment that, you know, had a gigantic total. And you go through some exposures of a lot of the other 150 max players. Everybody can go check that out here on the lineup study. But it seems like a lot of them were very high on CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, just kind of isolated that game total 29 total there for Dallas and played a bunch of them. Um, you know, it was definitely something that, that the Colts did here with Dalton Schultz, CD lamb being 24% plus owned in his lineups. Uh, I was just talking about what your decision was in terms of, you know, not really getting there. Yeah. I think that, I mean, it's probably a good play. The thing that I noticed is just that Dak Prescott at 14% was the second most popular quarterback, I, I think. So mm-hmm. I think it was just more that um, I just went a different direction whenever there's a really popular game, like any particular game, no matter how good a matchup it is, like doesn't have a huge chance of being that game stack that goes off. And we saw that this week, one of the popular games did go off uh, with Cincinnati, but a lot of weeks it's just some random games. So that's really what I'm trying to hit, hit on. All right, we go over to ship my money here. He had 82% Sony Michelle. Everybody, super, super high on Sony Michelle. Made a lot of sense against a Baltimore team that has been hemorrhaging, and I mean hemorrhaging yardage this year. Not your grandparents' Baltimore Ravens defense. 78% David Montgomery there. 42.7% Antonio Brown. I mean, that's really unfun. 34% Dak Prescott. So he went way overweight and took the overweight approach to a popular quarterback there with Dak Prescott. For quarterbacks, is that something that you're willing to do? I know you did it with Tua. We reviewed your lineups a couple of weeks ago, and I think Tua was a massive stand that you had taken. Um, but is that something week to week that you're a little bit more flat at the quarterback position? Yeah, I think so. Uh, there are some exceptions like Tua. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, played, I've like played Tua like every single week, except this week probably, uh, and it seems to never pay off. But uh like I try, I try to target the ones that have really high like passing rates uh, if they're cheap. So then the Dolphins met that criteria. Um, 
but uh, I think the easiest way to mix it up is just like with that massive stack with like three or four players and just changing that around in lineups and keeping a core of the other players that you really like. So that's always a uh, great strategy. All righty. Keep moving down the board here with his lineups. Zach Ertz, that was a, um, that was a massive stand there at 26%. He was a guy that I looked at the boom bust tool quite a bit, looked at the top stacks tool in Arizona was kind of, they were pretty flat, negative uh, 0.2% leverage there. And I kept deciding whether or not I wanted to involve Kyler Murray. And I went over to the boom bust tool and I saw 17.8% optimal percentage there for Zach Ertz compared to around 7.8% ownership. And that was one of those things where you kind of cross-reference the tools and you try to figure out where you want to get on a play like this. He ended up with 11% ownership. So if he has an optimal appearance rate of nearly 17%, you're getting 6% leverage. I thought that that was a really good play there by Zach, uh, playing Zach Ertz there in that spot. Also a cheaper uh, tight end. I think Higby was kind of the guy that, of course, was in your Millie winning lineup. And so you were able to get a little bit cheaper. It seemed like just getting off of those expensive tight ends this week, coming off of so many explosion spots for them, just kind of won you the day. Would you agree? I don't know. It's hard to say, like, that guy with 12 fantasy points won you a slate. But mm -hmm. I guess... Uh, it looks like Ertz got 11, so there, there wasn't a huge discrepancy there, but maybe the, the extra salary helped. So mm -hmm. uh, I think tight end is the one position where, like, a lot of weeks there is no guy you need in your lineups. Uh, so this just happened to be one of those weeks. All right. Now let's jump over to the winning <laughs> lineups here. Uh, so I believe the winner here in this one, Nolan P723. Did you see? How much Braxton Berrios he had in this tournament? Oh, I, I didn't. 99.3% Braxton Berrios. I, please be an awesome sub. That would be fantastic. 99.3% Braxton Berrios. If you take a stand like that in 150 lineups, things are probably going pretty well for you when he goes for 267 at 3,700. Yeah, that's a reasonable assumption. Like, once, <laughs> if you got one of those lockdown and he was probably the key piece yesterday because none of the other cheap guys like did particularly well. Uh, so I, yeah. So it uh, looks like Zay Jones also did very well, but like there wasn't many, there weren't very many good value plays. So like having him like that really opened up the slate. All right. And looking at his winning lineup, Joe Burrow, Daryl Williams, Rashad Penny, Braxton Berrios, Tyler Boyd. Uh, in there, again, a massive score, 13.6. We could call him the Tyler Lockett of this lineup. Zay Jones, Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase, and Bears. Fascinating. He played three Bengals. He played two Kansas City Chiefs. You had an entire game environment that obviously made a lot of sense to stack up. He played a running back alongside them. He had the important penny piece. If you didn't have Rashad Penny, if you didn't have Braxton Berrios, it was going to be very very hard to win a tournament yesterday. And then Jamar Chase, obviously you were able to win a tournament without him, but most other people, if you're playing anything, I mean, it was very difficult to pull off what you did and have the four person. I mean, really that's, that's kind of the takeaway is, you know, if you have a game that you just say, this team is going to smash the lions, you might have a chance to overcome a Jamar Chase performance like this. And if you don't, if you're trying to hit each individual piece, it's going to be much, much harder. What do you think about this lineup here, Alex? Well, I think that uh, 
it, like that super game stack, obviously with a, a great game, like that seems like a really solid lineup construction. Uh, and he had Penny, which was that kind of contrary and running back he needed to go off. So I thought, uh, I think this is uh, pretty solid. Yeah, it's a pretty darn solid lineup, I think. Zay Jones, 22.9. Uh, glad I missed that one too, because he's been playing a ton of snaps here in the absence of all the wide receivers that they've had there. Brian Edwards no longer exists, it seems like, on the Las Vegas Raiders. So Zay Jones just playing a ton of snaps. I know earlier in the season when he had that touchdown catch um, that Derek Carr was talking about how hard of a worker and the rapport that he's had with Zay Jones doing early morning workouts. And eventually, you know, I, I don't know how to quantify that, but Zay Jones, it was nice to see him come to fruition. Seems like a guy to cheer for, but 22.9 there out of him. 49,900 used up in this lineup. Congratulations to Nolan P723. Uh, definitely a great lineup. We're going to round this out like we always do when we go to the very bottom, worst performing lineup here by him. And it is a doozy. This one is fun. And again, the guy won 10K. I'm not here to make fun of anybody, but out of 150 lineups here, this was his worst performing one. It was Trey Lance naked. Uh, Dara uh, Goomba Wale ended up having a pretty decent game, 14.8. Somebody that um, I think you had talked about a little bit on your show on the, on the deeper dive as a, a pass catching back. Once upon a time, could be a sneaky play there. Ronald Jones, A.J. Brown, Braxton Berrios, Jalen Waddle, Foster Moreau, Cooper Cup, and the Dolphins' defense against Tennessee that got blasted. He played the defense against a wide receiver. He played a naked Trey Lance. I don't know. I mean, I, I'd absolutely play this lineup if I could guarantee my other lineup would win 10K. But <laughs> what do you think about this one, Alex? Yeah, this one's fascinating because obviously he he stacked up so hot hard on that winning lineup. This one doesn't have any correlation at all. So uh, I'm I'm intrigued that Nolan P strategy here. Like, um, so I think uh, I definitely like that top lineup a lot better because I I just. Uh, I think that that more stacking is probably a better approach. Just you need less things to go go right, but uh, it's not that I don't like any of the individual players here. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, again, AG Brown against the Dolphins defense. That's fascinating. Maybe something you do on a three gamer where you have a max one of a player up against your defense, especially if they're going to be a pass catcher. Uh, that that would make some sense, but definitely not for this one. But again, congratulations. What can you say? Dude won 10K. Uh, he also finished third. He finished first, third, and fifth in this tournament, and 11th. So he had four lineups in the top 12. That's a useful, useful little Sunday here in one contest. So congratulations to him. But of course, I'm going to round it all out, going back to Alex. Millie, maker, winner, Awesomeo. Once again, how does it feel? Anything else you want the people to know as we get on, on out of here? Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I think uh, the thing to keep in mind is like this isn't it's not rocket science like you, you can only make a lineup that's like so good, like with a good correlation and good plays is not as difficult as it, it seems to be like. Um, so just, you know, make some smart choices, try to learn from the, the good players out there and uh, you're going to give yourself a pretty good chance to win. Whose jersey are you getting out of this winning lineup? <laughs> I think I got to get Amon Ross St. Browns because, I mean, being from Michigan, got to support my my Detroit Lions. He had the biggest score out of the grouping, too, 38.4. So I think I think he's definitely got to be the candidate for it. You got to get the jersey. You just have to. There's no doubt about it. 
Alex, thank you so much for being here for, for stepping in, because again, we wanted to just sing your praises. You're just such a great dude. And having met you down in Miami, met you in Denver, uh, just so, could not be happier for you. That's for sure. Uh, also, now your marriage can continue to prosper. She'll be a happy lady, I would think. You know, I was going to say anything, any trips planned now. She, she trip planning. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I was just thinking today. It's like, maybe we should go somewhere for a week or something. We'll, we'll see. It's a little bit too early. But uh, yeah, hopefully uh, this week I got lucky, but hopefully next week another person in our community can, can get the win and we can be out here talking about them. Yeah, Eric, hey. you got dibs? Yeah, I got dibs. Why not me? <laughs> Why not me, baby? Why not me? Uh, week 18, looking forward to it. Uh, Alex, keep it going, my guy. I uh, appreciate you. We'll get on out of here. Make sure you check out all of the programming we have coming up later. I know I'll be on the NFL Deeper Dive. That, or Sorry, the NFL Live Before Lock. That's going to be 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. So check me out there. He's Alex Baker. He's a Millie Maker winner. I'm Eric. I'm a Penny Maker winner. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>